Ladies and gentlemen, what's up? This is BC. I'm here with another episode of the podcast with another esteemed guest, which we'll introduce here in a second. Uh, just wrapping up the Massive Momentum Summit. I appreciate everybody who came out. Uh, look out for the follow-up email. We're going to send all of you with some of the links and things that we discussed throughout the summit. But without further ado, I have my special friend here and esteemed guest, John. I wanted to give him a chance to introduce himself, and then we'll get right into the episode. John, my friend, what's up? Brian, thanks so much for having me. Much appreciated. Uh, very excited about this conversation. John Karsabai, I'm a managing partner at Big Sky Capital. We're an early stage uh, fund that invests into enterprise SaaS companies on a global scale. We come in very early, early stage, uh, just post MVP with some revenue traction. Uh, super excited to be in here uh, based, uh, based out of South Florida. I love it, man. So I think when you talk funding and venture capital and all that, a lot of people, at least from my audience, probably don't really know what that is or that world to them is a little bit kind of like a big question mark. Can you kind of describe it for like a rookie or somebody looking from the outside saying, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And um, I, you know, a lot of my circles, because personally, a good portion of my own portfolio is in real estate. So I definitely yeah. appreciate all the content that you put out. And from a standpoint of venture capital, it's a completely different world. That's, hmm. you know, uh, the career that I've been building for, you know, almost 15 years now. I've been a technology executive for many, many years at large organizations. And through that experience, I've launched my own startups, my own companies, you know, many, many times. A lot of them were successful failures, a couple of decent exits. And through that journey, I've also been very actively angel investing, which means small checks anywhere from 10 to 50K and you see great opportunities, great founders building something really cool. And I'm just coming in, helping them a little bit on the financial side. And then with also the company growth and just basically being a value add asset for them. So through that experience, I've been able to build a track record and a portfolio of companies of various size, various industries, but mostly technology organizations, software engineering. And from there, me and my partner, who is uh, we went to undergrad together in Montana, hence the name Big Sky Capital. Uh, we've we've partnered up because we have many, many startups together. So we've had that experience of working and we've raised the fund, which is a 20 million dollar venture capital fund one. And we've essentially raised the money from other investors, investors just like yourself or other technology executives who want to be part of a fund that invests into technology organizations worldwide in different verticals. So they invest in our fund. We are essentially a capital allocator. We find unique opportunities, unique companies. We invest into them and then we help them grow, help them scale. And then it, it's a long-term game. And yeah. within a certain period of time, the company either IPOs, gets acquired, goes public, and that's our liquidity event, so to say. So that's a 10,000 foot view into just overall how venture capital fund is operating and how it's structured. How did you get introduced to all of it or did you just kind of fall into it? Yeah, we've, um, you know, as I've had my own share of startups as well, I've gone through fundraising journey many, many times. I've pitched to different angels. I've pitched to other VCs. So I've had great experience and not so great experience working with other investors. And through that journey, I always took a lot of notes, mental notes and lessons learned, saying if I was ever on the other side of the equation, if I was the investor, I would do things very differently. So that's what really motivated me through that experience. And then also our track record as mm -hmm. 
much smaller investors as individual investors really you know prompted for me and my partner to say look we have the track record we have the investment thesis we know it works let's go institutional level let's go raise yeah. the actual fund and now we have the comfort level and track record to show that we're capable of 3x 5x 10x the our investors money i love that man so what was uh because <clears throat> i want to dive deeper into that here in a second what was life like before you got into venture capital and all these startups were you always like a visionary entrepreneur or like or did that kind of happen like college after college what did that look like no it's always been that way i uh you know from selling uh selling cucumbers on the streets of kazakhstan in the in the mid 90s when it was still soviet <laughs> union so entrepreneurship has been in the blood all along and it's uh when i moved to the united states um the same thing just you know constant hustle constant grind um you know many many companies you know from watch company to clothing brands to software companies you name it we've done everything so experience all across and what i've also encountered through that experience being you know not born here uh in the us access to capital is very limited and there's very little information in terms of how does the whole industry how does the whole system works so it took many many years to figure that out and essentially be able to understand how to get access to the to investors how to get access to capital and how to even work in that that you know really motivated me to also use that experience and now that i'm on the other side of the equation i love to focus and partner and invest into underrepresented overlooked yeah. immigrant founders because i know the journey that they're going through and yeah. that resonates you know on so many levels for me to say hey this is what we've encountered these are some of the lessons learned through that maybe just utilize that experience so that you can fast track mm -hmm. the process and actually focus on growing the company. I love that, man. What, uh, how old were you when, uh, you immigrated over here? 16, I graduated high school, um, you know, early in Kazakhstan, uh, the summer of 99. And I followed the footsteps of my older sister and she graduated from university of Montana. So that's where I came. And uh, it was a completely different world, man. Just imagine Soviet Union collapsing, just free for all, no electricity, no food, no nothing. And you come to Montana where <laughs> everything is just, everyone is super nice. All, uh, you know, it, it was a great experience all, all, you know, all around. And I, I couldn't be more thankful to have, you know, a place like Montana to be the first landing spot in the U.S. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. Because I've been to Montana a few times and I love it. And I've always said I'm probably going to buy a property there so I can leave my phone and, and get away there for a week. And the people are super nice, dude. Like it's they go out of their yeah. way to like stop and say hi to you. It's pretty funny. Um, oh my yeah. God. Unbelievable. Yeah. So you went to, you graduated from the university of Montana. Yeah. I graduated UM, um, in 2003, then I moved to South Florida following my sister again, uh, worked in the corporate uh, environment, but also launched a few of my startups here. And then I went to Boston, uh, did my master's at Harvard, then came back and, you know, continued the entrepreneurial journey from that perspective as well, multiple companies. And, um, and yeah, ever since I've been, uh, I've been in South Florida. Was your master's at Harvard, was that related to kind of what you were doing or was that just like an academic type of thing that you wanted to accomplish? Yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely a, a checklist item on my, on my personal, uh, goal sheet that I always had that I always wanted to prove to myself that, you know, yeah. somebody from, absolutely nothing or nowhere 
uh, is capable of doing that. It took me a couple of tries. They didn't accept me at first, uh, but then you know, just that did deter, and I said, I'll keep going until I get in. And that that experience has been invaluable. Just uh, just the connections alone that I was able to make that still still you know is very close within my network. I uh, I definitely I, I definitely cherish that. I definitely you know would recommend anybody to do that. Yeah, that's amazing. Have you been able to to do business with some of the people from your network and people that you've met uh, thus far? Oh, all the time on many yeah. occasions. Actually, quite a few of them are investors in my fund now. Um, because as you would imagine, you know, investing into a fund early stage, it's all trust-based. It's all based yeah. on that personal relationship because at that stage, you know, we don't have much track record. It's all about you as an individual. It's all about you as a person, your, your credibility. So that's, uh, that's how that worked. You know, that's interesting. Cause I was just thinking about that, like outside of connections or maybe things from, you know, your past or things that you're currently doing, what are some other ways that you guys go about networking to find like the right people or get in front of the right people, uh, you know, for what you're doing? Yeah, that's a great question. And that's a question that we still answer ourselves on a daily basis because it's an ongoing learning journey. And I'm glad that you asked that question at the beginning in, in a sense, what is venture capital? How, that, how does that work? Because we've made an assumption during the early stages of fundraise that it was a common sense that everybody kind of knew how the whole industry worked, and you know how wrong were we? It's not a, you know common sense is not so common. So we really had to take a step back. That was a great major lesson learned for us through the fundraising journey, not to make that assumption and to make sure that it's an educational process at the end of the day that we educate everyone who we were pitching to why this is important, why this makes sense to them and what to expect essentially by investing into the venture capital fund. Because we're from a risk category perspective, we're very risky. Real estate, completely different spectrum. Yeah. So I invest personally into real estate. I also have an extremely, you know, the other side of the spectrum on the risk scalability. So we always say that, you know, your portfolio percentage in the venture capital or private equity just should not be more than five to 7% overall representation. And when we've gone through our analysis of what is the closest network that we individually have, we started pitching to them. And then one thing led to another is just always constantly asking yeah. for referrals from, you know, your particular network. If I'm pitching to you, Brian, and you say, okay, so that everything sounds great. Then I would definitely approach you and say, Brian, well, you've invested. Let me get access to your network. Introduce me to your, you know, you know, your friends and network or just like you so that we can potentially see if that would be a fit yeah. for them. Yeah, because, you know, you mentioned it with the high risk, I would imagine, like, what are some of the things you guys are doing to kind of bridge that trust gap? Because I imagine that in some cases, if it's outside of your close network would be like a challenging thing. Yeah, absolutely. And those boils down to, you know, just clarity and communication and transparency at the very beginning, making sure you set those expectations, how risky that is and how long term of a game that is which, you know, I, I relate that to real estate as well, that all of the greatest returns and all of that comes in, you know, not overnight. And it's you, if you're looking for a quick buck, especially, you know, in venture capital, it's that's a wrong place to be. It's yeah. something that you definitely need to understand and actually enjoy the process of building the company, scaling, you know, how, how long that takes. So that's really important at the very early stages of working with investors, making sure that we have a common understanding because I've had very bad experiences myself when I was raising for my own startups, my own companies, and I would just pitch to anybody who would listen to it, and I would just take money from anybody who even thought that was an exciting idea. And that's very risky. That's very dangerous because 
people yeah. have different expectations and people have different you know assumptions for how fast that will work and then you definitely don't want to do that as you take somebody else's money you're not dating anymore you get married yeah right absolutely so in a way you're almost like um what i would call like a visionary where you really have to sell that long-term vision to somebody and you find it difficult at times for people to really grasp that long-term vision that you're describing? 100%. And I know, you know, you have multiple companies of your own and that could probably resonate on so many levels where early stages, especially, it's all about selling that vision. It's all about selling yourself and how much you believe in that. And if you, you know, it's, it's very challenging. It's very hard to find those who actually, you know, do think on the same level as you and actually believe in that. But those few that actually do, then it's I know that this is the type of folks that I want to surround myself with because, you know, not everything is going to be great. Not every projection we're going to hit. So you definitely want to surround yourself with the folks that, you know, will be there with you, especially when, you know, stuff hits the fan. And that's, you know, that's the mentality how, you know, through every fund that we're going to raise, mm. that would be the case. Yeah. So from um, kind of pivoting now to a content creation standpoint in your social media, have you been kind of using that as a vehicle to like try to attract these people? What's kind of been your strategy uh, on social media in regards to like what you're doing? Yeah, I actually um, I, I learned I had to learn a lot. I had to learn a lot from, uh, you know, content creators like yourself uh, to to because that's a new space for me. Uh, especially coming from technology, coming from, you know, venture capital, yeah. investing, you know, personal branding, content creation is has always been on kind of the back burner, so to say. But now I realize the importance of that. Now I realize how how actually, you know, how how that works and the benefits and advantages of that. So we've been investing very heavily into that. Uh, and at the end of the day, venture capital is a very, you know, the reputation we have that it's a very secret, secretive industry in general, that you don't want to essentially, you know, open up all of your cards and talk about publicly mm -hmm. what is your investment thesis, how you invest, how you select companies, how you go through due diligence. And I find that as actually a disadvantage because then, you know, now us being so transparent about this. I can definitely see how that opens up all kinds of floodgates, whether from the quality of a deal flow or the types of companies we're talking to, or even the partnerships that come about from, you know, even conversation just like this, uh, potentially investors and, you know, whoever comes into our ecosystem, I think just focusing more on just that transparency and utilizing those, uh, you know, channels like social media, that's, that's a, you know, that's something that we're going to continue investing into. You know, it's interesting you brought up the whole secretive thing, because when I got into even real estate, I noticed uh, that was kind of like the stigma in our industry, too, is everybody almost wanted to protect their piece of the pie and not share their secrets and not say anything. Is it kind of the same thing in your industry as well, where everybody feels threatened and it's like, oh, I don't want to tell you my secrets type of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, exactly the same way, because everyone has their own invest investment thesis. Everyone has their own kind of that secret sauce, that unfair advantage, so to say, what makes you unique, what makes you so different from every other VC out there, every other real estate investor. Uh, and I, I kind of, I, I understand that, but at the same time, I see you know the, all of the disadvantages that come along with that type of mentality. And that's why you know these days, just focusing more on the completely other side of the equation 
and being as open as possible you know watching folks like yourself and other influencers that have been very transparent about this i totally see it totally makes sense from the opportunities that come you know come come as a result of that yeah and, and uh, you know it's an interesting topic because you know even when i started 10 years ago i was very cut and dry and just raw and real about the industry and i, and I noticed this interesting dynamic from like the consumer standpoint or potential customer standpoint, they loved it. But a lot of my peers were kind of giving me flack about it. Right. Is, are you experiencing that to a degree? Cause th that was my yeah. direct experience. Even to this day, it seems like within people from my industry, I get more hate we can say or criticism, oh. but the consumer just loves it. They love it. Totally. hundred percent. We, you know, I, I deal with that on, on daily basis, even us being so new, we don't have a lot of followership, but I already experienced that type of feedback. It's like, bro, what are you doing? It's, you know, don't, you know, don't talk about how you go through due diligence because you don't want to open up all the secrets and tell all of the other startups out there what kind of information you're going to ask for. Or, you know, essentially how, how you actually find unique deals. Yeah. You don't want to open up all of the, you know, the secrets that you have where you find these unique opportunities because then you're going to inundate yourself with other inquiries of the folks that the companies that don't fit your your uh, your thesis. So mm -hmm. I, I just, you know, I find that, you know, as a kind of just that weakness that others trying to, you know, uh, you know, put, put on project onto you. So it's uh, but that, that resonates on exactly what you're talking about in the sense that those that are not doing that and they try to kind of essentially talk you out of uh, just being able to be so open about this. Yeah. And I never understood it. Right. It was never like the, the very big or successful people telling me that it was always everybody else, you know, who either I didn't know or weren't doing well, but then because I was getting positive uh, feedback from the consumer, I was like, man, this is great. Cause that's ultimately who I'm doing it for. I'm not doing it for the people in my industry. I could, I could care less about them, but I yeah. noticed a disconnect with just like you mentioned the secrecy of what you do. I'm sure there's a disconnect too and a level of trust gap that has to be filled because of that with a potential investor. The same thing I noticed with the public in, in regards to real estate. I was like, man, these people really have no idea what we do. Like they really mm -hmm. don't. They have this, this perception of what we do, but they really don't know the facts. And I'm sure with you, it's identical, mm -hmm. right? The investors don't really know exactly what you do, right? Oh, 100%. And you'd be yeah. surprised. Well, I'm sure you would know the number of investors that we actually brought into the fund because of the fact of how transparent we are about yeah. just the industry in itself or who we are and how we operate and being so vocal about this you know on all of the social media with other avenues or other channels you know even podcasts just like this to coming on and talking about how we operate who we are essentially and what what is the overall vc industry I mean, to me, that, you know, that adds a lot of credibility to us that we're not, you know, hiding anything. It's an open book with anything, just full transparency. This is who we are. This is how we operate. This is how we find deals. This yeah. is how we invest. And, you know, people that understand that, that will resonate. And that I've seen that in practice of the actual result where folks like that then reached out to us themselves and said, hey, this actually sounded very interesting. Or oh, this is completely new. I never knew that it worked that way. Can we yeah. talk? We take this further and then some type of relationship formed from there. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, and in regards to, um, you know, Big Sky Capital specifically, what would you guys say uh, maybe with the current economy and stuff? What are some of like the biggest challenges you guys are currently facing? Like, would you say right now? Yeah. And it's, uh, 
you know, it re it relates to housing and real estate and just properties in general. I, I watch that, you know, very closely from just not only the rate standpoint, but even just individual smaller market like ourselves in South Florida, what's happening and what are the different trends. And it's very relatable, very similar all across, even the technology sector and the venture yeah. capital, private equity. We all we all, you know, dealing with the same problems at the end of the day. Yeah. Rates are higher at the end of the day, but the supply is also very low. And that translates to some of the mentality as well into, as, especially with the investors that we're talking to these days, you know, they're being a lot more diligent with their, their analysis. They're being a lot more careful with the decision-making, which that's actually a good thing in the long run, because when, just like in real estate, all of us were dealing with, you know, two years ago, with all the hype, it was something very similar happening in venture capital as well. Overblown valuations, party rounds, people investing into the startups without any due diligence because everybody else was doing it. And yep. now it's, you know, that that's actually what's happening. Very similar in real estate that I've observed as well that, you know, it was just bidding wars and just, you know, not doing these yep. proper inspections and things like that. Yeah. Uh, so it definitely correlates on on so many levels between the venture capital and the and the real estate. That's cool, man. So uh, in regards to like the future and and kind of where you want to take the company and and maybe some of the numbers and records that you want to break, what what are you guys projecting or what are you looking to do in the next couple of years? Yeah, that's um, you know that we talk about this internally very frequently because you know projections are projections, but also being very realistic about. What are we going to do about hitting those projections is another conversation that we have to be extremely honest with ourselves because, you know, we deal with projections on a daily basis. I talk to startup founders on hourly basis and I hear projections every single day. Yeah. But so what is that strategy to hit those is completely different ballgame. So and that's the standard that we try to keep ourselves against, too, because as I'm fundraising for my next fund, which I'm targeting 75 to 100 million. Yes, it's a target, but I also be, you know, very realistic about what type of market are we dealing with right now? How long that's going to last through you know, the next year or two years, even mm -hmm. even observing what's going on in the housing and real estate as well. The rates going to stay elevated and there's just going to be no activity going on. That's going to translate into some of the mentality of the investors that I'm pitching to. So the goals and objections, objectives are definitely there, but also just keeping ourselves grounded and honest from our ability to actually hit those. That's also, uh, we try to keep, you know, just be very cognizant of, of that fact. But the so far we've invested into 15 companies out of fund one. The goal is to invest into 30. Um, our average check size that we write is anywhere between 250,000 to 500,000. That's our sweet spot. And the goal is to start the fundraise for fund two as early as next year. Wow, man, that's amazing. And um, I, I don't, again, I'm not too well versed in your world either. I remember watching a movie. I'm sure you've seen it, uh, The Big Short, where they talk about yeah. the housing crisis. Yeah. So there's like a like a rating system, right, or something like a ranking with the fund and their size, right? Like 20 million, 50 million. Can you go over that? Is there like a basic kind of like size analysis or something like that? I don't know the proper terminology. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, and we talk about this with our, you know, prospective investors as well on that kind of that educational process to explain the different tiers. So we're fund one, we're, you know, we're $20 million fund. It sounds like a lot, but we're actually super tiny in venture capital in private equity space because it also then translates into the number of companies that we can invest to and how much of an average check size that we can write. 
because we don't want to, you know, let's say write a $5 million check and then we can only invest into like, let's say four companies, you know, the risk category then shifts. We want yeah. to disperse our risk and just, you know, it's not necessarily spray and pray. It's more of a very targeted and kind of that sniper approach. But we also want to distribute our risk categories and have as many shots on goal as possible. So that's a that's a categorization of the fund. And every venture capital firm, they go through the life cycle of multiple funds. So fund one is where we are right now is 20 million. So we're also going to fundraise for fund two, which is probably going to be the same thesis as what we're investing out enterprise SaaS companies. But the size of the fund is so much higher because we want to back the companies that we're investing into now. We go in very early and there's a lot of risk. But those that do grow, those that do survive, that those actually show great performance, we want to continue backing them. We want to continue reinvesting because as part of the original investing, we have to also carve out a lot of terms such as pro rata rights, which basically means that in the next round, since I've backed you so early, I believed in you. I want to have essentially the seat at the table and be able to invest in you at the different valuation at the different stage yeah. in your in your growth. That's interesting, man. Yeah, because like, you know, looking at it from the outside, it, it seems like this big, big beast, you know, especially I remember when I first watched that movie, I was like, man, like the little bit I know, I'm like, shit, that, that's like a completely different world. It's probably like underground yeah. to most people where they kind of know it's there but they don't really pay attention to it right it's crazy man. yeah yeah, so, yeah but absolutely and i'm still learning i'm still learning every single day i you know it's uh it's it's very diverse it's very broad it's not a very you know and also kind of what we talked about it's also very close there's not a lot of uh you know information out there that you can just go open up and just start studying that yeah. Yeah. That's crazy, man. So if, if like one of my listeners is listening and they're like, oh man, maybe I would want to like look into or get into venture capital. Like what would somebody do to even begin that process of entering that world? You would say. Yeah, that's a great question. I get that a lot, especially on, you know, on LinkedIn because people reach out early stage career professionals saying, Hey, I want to work in, you know, private equity. I want to work in venture capital. Sounds so sexy. You guys just running around, running, you know, writing checks and lavish lifestyle, all that. No, completely <laughs> different. <laughs> completely different. Don't believe everything you see out there. At the end of the day, those that want to break into that industry, I would say don't actually go start a company go be an entrepreneur, go get that experience actually growing and building a company and then go through the fundraising process yourself and work with the investors, gain that knowledge, gain that skill set. Because then if you don't have the experience, it's going to be very, very challenging for you to build that synergy with other entrepreneurs because yeah. they're going to look you up and they're going to say, well, do you have experience building a company? And if you don't, then the conversation is going to be very short. Essentially, how else are you going to help me besides your little check? Yeah. Yeah. That's great advice, man. It's kind of like, you gotta, you gotta go through the process first before you really understand it. And I think a lot of people uh, nowadays, especially because you mentioned social media, they're looking to skip that. Right. Yeah. Same thing and in my like industry. Yourself. Yeah. Like yeah. yourself, you know, you, you've been in your industry for quite some time yourself. You've been a successful realtor. You've been a successful investor and now shifting that gears a little bit more. Now you do a lot of coaching, consulting, a lot of training that makes a lot of sense. And then definitely exactly how the venture capital works as well. Yeah, man. So um, I know you guys had an event here this week. I don't know if it was your event. Um, I think it was right. You guys hosted the event. Is there anything else you guys are doing here anytime soon or any like announcements, any virtual events, any in-person events or anything you're doing here in the near future? 
Yeah, and I appreciate that question because we it's something that I'm investing very heavily into building that community here, especially in South Florida, where I live, Fort Lauderdale. And we do events on a monthly basis. Um, so a lot of those events are posted on uh, investwithjohn.com. And we try to organize different types of events, whether that's real estate investing, venture capital. I try to have great panels with interesting entrepreneurs or bring on other investors and talk about how they invest and essentially open up the kind of the platform and opportunity for others to network with each other. I see a lot of value in that. So that goes on on a monthly basis and that's probably never going to stop. Yeah, I love that, man. I'm definitely going to have to catch one soon. Have you guys done anything virtually yet or are they only in person? Yeah, lots of virtual events, lots of webinars, lots of, uh, you know, the podcast just like yours is very active. You interview folks, you know, from different spectrums, entrepreneurs, different industries uh, on the Ivy podcast. That's our main platform. But uh, definitely a lot of virtual events, but also coming out of pandemic, we also said, look, everyone's probably tired of all the, the you know, the Zoom fatigue and everything that's real. Yeah. Let's go in person as much as possible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I hear that, man. You know, it, it's just I, I think we're almost at a tipping point now where people are so used to doing the Zoom, even though they don't like it, they can just sit at home in their PJs and they're going to jump on Zoom or throw on the dress shirt and be naked, you know, <laughs> sitting in the chair versus yeah, actually going, going in person. It's crazy. That's awesome. Oh, man. Yeah, dude. But uh, cool. Uh, I think this is a good place to, to stop. I'm sure we'll do another episode in the future, man. I appreciate you coming on. I'll, uh, I'll get all those links from you and your handles and stuff and put it in the description of the podcast. Is there is there anything else you wanted to, to talk about or mention before we, we hop off? No, that's it, Brian. I really appreciate the opportunity to come onto your platform and talk about the very kind of dark side of investing from especially venture capital perspective. So I definitely appreciated that and I would love you know continue the conversation with you. For sure, man. Thanks for coming on. Everybody, appreciate the support uh, and... Stay tuned for another episode. We're doing four episodes a week now for the podcast. So stay tight. See you guys.